Coming to you from the land down under, just west of Brisbane in Queensland, this is the Gel Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Tractor, a former soldier who'd love to see Airsoft legal here one day, but just happy that Gel Ball exists. We talk about Milsim, we talk about Gel Ball, we talk about anything related to these. So to help people understand a little bit better about the strengths and weaknesses of an Op4 or a Blue4, or in our case, the Coalition or Militia, I'm going to break down first the pros and then the cons of being on the Coalition side, and then the pros and cons of the Militia side. What I want this to do is to create a conversation, because there's much more pros and cons that I'm going to bring up today, but I want this to inspire thought in you. So let's start off with Coalition. So the first pro of being in the Coalition is you're going to have significant logistic support. You're going to have things like trucks and cars and fuel and um, planes and things to get you around the battlefield. You're going to have radio systems. You're going to have satellite navigation. You're going to have all those things that a contemporary military unit has. On top of having all that equipment, you're going to have access to getting it repaired or replaced very quickly. In the army, we used to call it one for one. If your rifle broke, you took it to the storeman, you handed him one, and you got one back that worked. So that's going to be very easy for... Obviously, you're going to be bringing your own blasters, but it's going to be a simpler way of doing things than the militia. Theoretically, any coalition team is going to be well-trained. They're going to be a well-oiled machine, they're going to be cohesive, and they're going to have practiced their tactics and strategy and put a lot of effort into how they're going to do things when the hammer drops. So they should be able to react instinctively as opposed to just doing whatever comes naturally that the militia will do. The coalition will also have access to things like close air support or even air transport, or maybe artillery or mortar assets. They might have a CBR&D team that helps them with nuclear or biological warfare. All that sort of support behind the scenes is something that they're going to have access to. In terms of vehicle transport, literally there is a form in each radio operator's little guidebook that they're given on how to ask for playtime. And that'll become more apparent when you need to move from one end of the AO to the other. If you're the QRF or you need a Kazavac or something else like that, you can call on that playtime or Kazavac report to get you from A to B without having to use Shanks Pony. For those that don't know that what that is, that's walking. Now, that was some quick pros, so let's move on now to a couple of cons. The first one is... Any coalition or government-run organisation is going to have a lot of red tape. They're going to have very strict rules, very strict doctrine on what you can and can't do and what you can do in reply to certain things. And some of that, in the way that you'll be able to engage with the militia in certain circumstances, is going to be frustrating. But at the end of the day, this is a milsim, so we're simulating both the good and the bad aspects of being a soldier. The next con is how do you actually identify who is on the militia team? How do you know that they're an enemy combatant? You should already know from the forums and from the posts that the militia doesn't wear cams. So you can't 
do what we did in World War II. Look at the bad guy over there wearing the grey uniform and know he's a German. You're not going to have that ability. So it's going to be frustrating at times going, I can see that guy. He's a military-aged male. He's in a really sus position. I can't just shoot at him. So what am I going to do? So that's something you have to mentally and tactically prepare for. The next problem that has gone on since time immemorial is conventional forces can be stopped by a line drawn on a map. If you think back to somewhere like Vietnam, it was very easy for the VC to cross the border into Laos and just walk on the other side of the border. And it literally stopped the Americans from being able to just engage them simply because they weren't at war with Laos. So you can't just cross a border into another country and say, hey, we're going to bomb these guys over here that just crossed your border. Yeah, it's it very complicated at that stage. The next con is from our own rules for the activity. So there are very specific rules on what blasters you can and can't carry and when you can and can't carry them. One of the first things that I get asked, probably two out of ten people that ask me, can I carry a bolt-action blaster? And the short answer is, if you're in the Coalition, there's about a 1% chance of you being allowed by the Coalition commander of carrying a bolt-action blaster. Because, in reality, a gel ball bolt-action rifle is absolutely useless in the real-world sniping role. Shooting somebody at 20 metres when you can shoot them at 25 metres with something else just doesn't make sense. So it's going to really suck a lot if you want to be a sniper and crawl somewhere for 10 hours to get there and then lay there for 4 or 5 hours and then crawl back 10 hours and not get to shoot at anyone because I didn't get close enough to shoot at. So yeah, you're going to have very specific rules on the weapons you can use and how and when you can use them. The last thing, again from within the rules and sort of the back end of the activity, is that it can actually be quite expensive to get the right load out for 7 to 10 people to be all dressed in the same equipment and looking like they're a section or a squad or a team that has been together and fought wars together. So you're not going to easily just buy everything for everyone. You're going to have to slap some things together and there's going to have to be compromises where somebody likes to wear that Gucci $600 vest and no one else can afford it. So there's going to be some cons there about getting the right equipment and uniform that everyone in your team is wearing. Hopefully that covers most of the stuff on the Coalition and it's starting to make you think about how that applies to you in the activity, whether your plan to be Coalition is a good one or a bad one or whether you can overcome some of the cons. So let's move now on to the militia. If you look at history and look at some of the insurgent forces over the years, if you look at the Viet Cong or the Mujahideen or any of those non-traditional fighters, they obviously have no uniform. They're dressed the same as every local in that country. So that gives them a freedom of movement that is unheard of in conventional warfare. You can literally, at one minute, be fighting in the paddy fields and ten minutes later you can be wearing the same set of clothes and walking past a coalition team and they can't engage you just because you might be a, a bad guy or might be a good guy. 
So if you're on the militia team, this is something you can really use to your advantage because if you're not carrying weapons of war or IEDs or anything else, you can literally walk through any checkpoint that the coalition has and they've got no real reason to stop you, shoot at you or do anything bad to you. In fact, it's actually the opposite. In their rules, it says something about their stuff. And once you've paid for your ticket, you'll get access to that exact rule. Another advantage of being um, on the militia is you're much freer to improvise your tactics or the way that you react to certain situations. If things are going a certain way and you see the coalition using a certain tactic or technique often, you can change what you're doing in response to that. You can attack them when they least expect it or when it's the least opportune times. Think little simple things like attacking during the middle of a meal time is something that the coalition might not do, but it's certainly something the militia would do. Things like attacking at certain times of night when your circadian rhythm is designed to have you asleep. All these things are advantages that the coalition, uh, the, sorry, the militia have. The next advantage comes from having lived and grown up in the land that these coalition fighters have come to save from the evil bastards. So they're going to know everyone in that village. They grew up with them. They went to school with them. They mightn't have the exact same political ideology. They mightn't have the same aims. But at the end of the day, think about the people that you've lived next to for five or six years. You, you feel a certain closeness to them and you're able to relate to them in a way that somebody that walks in the door with a uniform can't. So talking about the fact earlier that the coalition can be stopped by a line on a map, the militia can't. Obviously there's going to be boundaries for the exercise, um, but probably 90% of the, the lines on the map that the coalition will have that says you can go here but you can't go there, the militia won't have. Because a militia isn't a a normal force they don't they aren't bound by the same rules and expectations the laws of war the geneva convention these things don't apply in the same way now is one of the big ones that a lot of people have decided that this is the reason that they're going to be militia is because there's very little limitations in the way that um the coalition forces have for example you can have a vector you can have a P90, you can have an MP5, because the theory goes that the militia has picked up their weapons over the last 20 years or the last 10 years. As somebody's got killed with that weapon in their hand, they've stolen it, or they've got it on the black market. So there aren't those strict rules about, oh, it must be a this, or this is what you got issued from the Q store. It's what you your ragtag bunch has been able to band together. So in that regard, the militia is going to have access to AK-47s and they're going to be able to use them because, hey, they're an ex-Russian country. That's just natural. The final one is, again, that financial barrier. If you're on the militia, you don't need to go and spend 70 or 100 bucks on a specific pair of cam pants or a specific cam shirt or 200 bucks on a specific plate carrier or 30 or 50 or 100 bucks on a helmet or X amount on this or that you can go to Vinnie's and pick up second-hand clothes that fit you that can get destroyed and you throw away at the end of the activity. You can pick up all sorts of um, 
I don't know, what actors would probably call a wardrobe. So you can be dressed differently depending on what you're doing. You might have a set of black pyjamas or a ninja outfit type thing that you decide that's what you're going to wear at night when you're fighting. It can be comfortable. It doesn't have to be a specific uniform. So you've got that option as well. Now, having talked about some of the pros of being in the militia, there are obviously going to be cons as well. So the militia don't have the logistic support that a military complex or an industrial complex is going to have. They're not going to have access to lots and lots of ammunition or the exact design of thing that they want. They're not, it's not going to be as easy for them to use night vision goggles or access satellite imagery at short notice. So their logistics is much more difficult. To the point where one of the reasons we have the in-game currency, the Razu, is because the Coalition are going to need to buy what they want. And that money has to come from somewhere. So <clears throat> there's a bit of a role-play aspect there that the militia will have to do things for the villagers, for other players in the game, in order to get money to buy the things that they need to fight the war. And that's no different to a militia anywhere else. Sometimes that sort of stuff will happen by a militia um, using their comrades in another country, in a rich western country, and they'll say, you need to give us $10 a month each. And that provides um, the funding for all the logistics to fight the jihad or fight whatever war they're in. But at the end of the day, everything has a price in terms of militia logistics. The last con that I'm going to have is again one of these outside the game aspects and it's the no uniform. Some people will walk away from the idea of being on the militia team simply because they don't have a uniform. Some people just want to dress up in a set of multicams and be all they can be. And that's fine. It's a little bit less tactical than some people would call it. But it's also got some other aspects to it. What I'd like you to do now, having listened to all of this, is to jump on the forums. Go to www.opeasternpredator.com and sign up an account and have a look to all the chat that's going on there. I'll start a thread there today about what are the pros and cons of being a militia that everyone can get into, and I want you to have a discussion about it. If you've got an idea about what would be a pro or a con, that's where I want to see you discuss that because there's certainly plenty of pros and cons that I haven't thought of, um, especially from the militia side of the house because I've, I've always been on the coalition side, so it'll be very interesting to see what pros and cons people come up with for militia. That's everything for today, so thanks for joining us. I've been Tractor, and this was the Gel Ball Podcast. As I said a little bit earlier... I'll give a summation of where the timestamps are for various subjects. So, 52 seconds, logistics. 117 is getting things replaced. 141, training in cohesion. 2 minutes 10, force multipliers. 3 minutes 5, red tape. 3 minutes 40, identify friend or foe. 422, lines on a map. 5 minutes starts the cons, rule set. 6 minutes 10, loadouts. And then we go on to the pros for militia. First, uniforms at 7.13, 7.56, freedom of movement, 8.24, tactics. 
9 minutes 10 alloys, 9 minutes 50 again lines on a map. 10 minutes 26 we talk about the weapon loadout, 11.20 how much cash you need to spend to be in the militia, 12 minutes 20 cons of logistics, 12 minutes 56 the currency used in the game, 13.54 not having cams, and 14.25 we have a summary and here at 15.15 we have this little if you're a completionist and listened right till the end the code word for today is still M-S-E-V keep your ears out for that and it'll be relating to a competition a bit later on also on the 11th of May we're going to have a little open day at the cadet shop headquarters in Burley Waters so feel free to come and meet us and talk to us in person there there's going to be some free coffee from Wontok Tea and Coffee and we're going to have some food on as well also we'll have some small breach facilities so that people that have never seen Milsim East before can see what we do and possibly introduce them to Operation Eastern Predator so if somebody doesn't know what the hell's going on feel free to bring them down on the 11th of May 2019 to Cadet Shop in Burley thanks for listening I've been Tractor and this was the Gel Ball Podcast <laughs>